everybody, and welcome to the Daft Souls podcast, episode 91. That's a nine and a one, and there's nothing funny about that number at all. No, there isn't. My, it makes me think of an old woman, though, but 90 doesn't. My, name's, my name is Quentin Smith, and I cannot talk without Matt Lee stepping on any one of the words I'm saying. That's the relationship we have. It's, it's classic. He's <laughs> doing what? it now. You're I'm d- doing it now. Everybody's doing it now. Who are you guys? That's Matt Lee's over there. <laughs> uh, this is Joe. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was definitely in the top ten professional intros mm-hmm. that Darth Souls has enjoyed over it's the like years. It's like being on Jimmy Kimmel. It's, Sorry, uh, I thought we were doing Batonage, <laughs> but we weren't. Uh, the Batonage gates had not been... I think I just felt in like a very stiff mood. Not in that way. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about video games. Like a 91-year-old woman. Yes. Because who's to say, who's to say, Matthew, that old people can't have sex drives? Sean. I've been playing video games. Okay. Has anybody else? No. Well, yes, actually. Well, you just put up a fantastic video about a game which you talked about briefly in the past. I did. And um, you probably can't talk about it much because it's one of those games where you didn't even really show much of the game, but God, it's an amazing video. Uh, well, thanks for saying. Um, yeah, like I said, I can't talk about it very much, but I've mentioned Kitty Horror Show, a horror video game indie developer. And she uh, recently released, uh, I think I mentioned this before, her first big paid-for game. It costs $3, which is still pretty big for for her um, because she makes lots of small things. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes about 45 minutes. It's amazing. Um, I've said everything I can possibly say about it in a very atmospheric, uh, very lovingly crafted video, and people can find that on the Cool Ghosts YouTube channel if they search for... Anatomy, best horror game. Yeah, something along those lines. Because it's or the best horror game. just go to coolghost.net. It should be on the page. Just scroll down. It won't have gone too far. Um, but yeah, I'd really recommend watching that. It's kind of a... It's got some interesting insights and thoughts about horror in gen- general. And I'm yeah. not a big horror man, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I actually don't think you could finish Anatomy because I barely could. Um, but a couple of thoughts that uh, that I had. One, I guess, that I'll throw out now to give us something to talk about is um, I wonder in the video kind of aloud as to whether video games have been aping horror films uh, too much as a viewer, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we watch horror movies, we're going, you know, like, oh, well, if I was in this movie, I would get a knife, and then I would, you know, keep my bullets safe, and I would stab that thing, and then I would go and stand on my back to the wall and shoot. You know, you think about it very logically as a Mm -hmm. viewer. But the protagonists of horror films are always uh, very uncomfortable. They never really understand what's happening. Certainly not in a way that, like, you as the viewer, it's a vampire, for Christ's sake, just run away, or whatever. Um, But the protagonists never understand that. And so in the video, I theorized that like maybe Kitty Horror Show and some of the other horror games like Soma and Silvio that came out in 2015 are more emulating um, you being a protagonist who is uh, unwittingly wandering into danger, who doesn't understand what they're up against or even where they're going to survive. And actually, I think... This is summarised most of all by the fact that video games tend to let you win at the end, right? Yeah. Whereas horror is supposed to be you not having control. It's, you know, in a very simple way, why horror protagonists control badly, because horror is about the removal of your control from a situation. That's why I never found the fear of video games scary, because they'd always put you up against things that you could drop kick or shoot. Uh, and With a marvellous gun. With that's a beautiful it. gun. It was amazing shooting stuff I, in I'm fear. I'm not denying right? that it's a cool shooter uh, with cool uh, slide kicks, but yeah. as a horror game, you know, I yeah. don't know how scary it was. Yeah, for me it was perfect, because I'm, you know, I'm a complete wuss with these things, so it was kind of like the kind of Nando's uh, mild herb and lemon sauce. <laughs> yes, for me. Oh, it's still a bit spicy, isn't it? <laughs> it's got, oh, it's got a tang to it. Yeah. yeah I so can handle it. The, uh, the thought I have in the video is like, I mean, why on, if, a, if your horror game has like a happy ending or if it has like an ending where you can change things, then maybe we're doing it wrong and maybe video yeah. games should be more emulating 
um, being the protagonist of a movie who is mostly powerless and confused for the you whole know, time. I've talked about this a few times, and I think it's sometimes it's the length of games is a big problem with yeah, it. Yeah. And the fact that if you've got a 20 minute, a 20 hour game, like you become so attached to the characters, that then if you don't get some sort of happy resolution for them, people feel like. Uh, like they've had a, a bum deal and I mean like one of my favourite games uh, was I've said this many times uh, I still have to make a video about it but it's bloody hard because it's on the 3DS uh, <laughs> but, uh, but Crimson Shroud was just fantastic oh like, my god I love yeah, Crimson Shroud like, Crimson so much Shroud, two hour game has some really fucking awesome mechanical ideas that it doesn't outwear the welcome because the game's over in two hours but also just has a story that's just like fucking bleak the, the <laughs> end of it I, oh my I, god the end so is good. told in a single line of text that is both so harrowing and so funny at exactly the same yeah. time that uh, it's so good it's it's genuinely amazing so you know um, there's a new game plus thing where like it's you can do different no things. I didn't so, yeah I don't want to spoil so, yeah. this Crimson Shroud was that downloadable 3DS game right where you have like little miniature people yeah so it's part of this um, the level 5 series called Guild where they basically got people that the level five ceo liked and made <laughs> that told much. them to make games for him which included like a comedian who made a rhythm action uh, blacksmithing game which was both awful and brilliant at the same time <laughs> yeah because it was based around a twitter feed which made no sense at all had really strange um, what like your clients would tweet uh, so yeah you would rent it was a weapon rental shop okay. so you would rent them an RPG weapon that you made in a rhythm action game and then you would see their journey told in tweets and wow. when, if your weapon was good enough they would succeed in their journey but it was so badly made but such <laughs> a great <laughs> idea like watching a Twitter feed could sometimes take like upward of 10 minutes it was kind of a really <laughs> like, what, you, oh, it wasn't like a Twitter feed while you were doing blacksmithing stuff in the well show. no you could be doing that but that became very boring because there were like four songs to play rhythm action oh. things to it was so weird but it was really yeah I mean well the, the whole done. the whole experiment it was almost like a kind of weird like Japanese version of a game jam but like yeah, that's it was exactly it funded and they sold the games and all the games were about six quid and I played a bunch of them they were really patchy there was one called like uh, something Goodbye Tokyo Monsters or something. oh I loved Attack of the Tokyo that's Mon- it Attack of the Friday Monsters that's it Attack of the Friday Monsters some people loved it I found it a bit boring but what did it, you do uh, not it, a lot it's <laughs> a, so it was a visual novel about feeling nostalgic for a seven Japanese Japanese oh, childhood. Yeah, where you I would remember watch. the screenshots of this. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, I think it. it's sort of thing. If you have an interest in that that period of time and uh, and place, then it's awesome. Oh, it's uh, I found I had a passing interest in it, and I thought, oh, this is really cute at first. But after a while, I got really the quite place bored. being rural Japan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like yeah, so suburbs of a major Japanese city. Oh, I love love me some some suburbs. That's oh, good. And the the sort of weird depression, depressive slash beautiful. Yeah, so it's thing. A, it's a kid struggling with the fact that his parents don't like each other that much and retreating into a world of like. Fr- uh, so the Friday monsters are monsters that come every Friday, which represents his TV watching. Mm. But then they're real. But then maybe they're a metaphor. Um, <laughs> it's got a terrible collectible card game at the centre of it, which yeah. is r- awful. But yeah, that's the, the actual the the idea of it is great. It's a weird thing. It's one of those weird things that I, as you know, I struggle to detach myself from in the fact that it's like I should just ignore the game thing and just play the visual novel. But because video games do something to my brain, I'm forced to engage in the mechanics that are in front of me. You're playing and, The Witcher Three, right? Uh, yeah, you're going to you, die. Are you playing? <laughs> are you playing Gwent? I'm dabbling, but the thing is, I don't play much Gwent because I, I know enough about card games to know that Gwent isn't actually very good. Well, you were you filmed me explain the real life card game Condottier for Shut Up and Sit Down. I saw you playing Condottier and I was just it was the first time I'd seen that game. You were just filming how to play Condottier on Shut Up and Sit Down. We just relaunched the site. Shut Up and Sit Down. Just gonna plug it hard. It's fucking great, gun. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was like, 
this is fucking Gwent. And I, mm. I couldn't say anything because I was behind the camera. But I was just in shock. I was like, I started off going, this is a bit like Gwent. And I was like, oh my God, they just ripped it off. It's like, funny. They perfectly uh, found the single best game that the single most least people knew about. Mm. Like, it was the perfect crime, Gwent was. Of, like, <laughs> finding a great game that no one had heard of but they and made, getting like, away with it. They made a version of Condottier that wasn't as good. Yes. Because instead of having a very neat deck of cards where everyone has the exact same cards and you know exactly what the other player can do because you have the same cards, they just made it like Mystery Fuck Hour. Well, it's like... <laughs> I, I did, that is a good Here's name. a griffin. You didn't know about that, so there's no way you could have encountered this. Two like. responses to that. One, uh, they are... Pr- well, the CD Projekt Red are releasing an unannounced, mo- possibly mobile game this year. If it's called Gwent Mystery Fuck Hour, I'm in. <laughs> um, two, uh, I own two physical Gwent decks, which is presumably... Really? Which is presumably the point. Like, that you get those, and then you do know what all the cards are, so it is a good sure, game. Sure, Like, sure. The, the in-game version is very much like... It, well, you were talking about levelling up in The Witcher last week, yeah. Yeah. where, like, it's kind of ridiculous. That's the same in Gwent. You you level up by in Gwent by walking around and getting all the best cards. Like, yeah. it's, the yeah. same, it's the same. And that's it. It was kind of fun, but ultimately it kind of annoyed me, this thing of being like, you don't really know until you play somebody whether or not they just have better cards than you. Mm. And then you're like, oh, what's the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> if they've got that spy with the zero, fuck that guy. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I've played a lot of Gwent. <laughs> yeah, no, it's still fun, but I thought I didn't allow myself to get get into it, you know. Yeah. Um, but I was I was just thinking, what have I been playing recently that's um, played to? Well, you can do it. I've been playing because it was something you talked about walks. earlier about games ending and having to win games. I've been playing Stellaris. Oh, great! Let's talk about this, but not too much because it sounds like it's not that good. <laughs> And I see, I, I love it, but yeah, it's not that good, but I love it. So, uh, top down view for people who might not have heard okay, of Okay, so Stellaris, Stellaris is a 4X game, which basically means uh, expands Go extra on. things, um, <laughs> yep. looking for extra opportunities and to, extraordinary. to do extraordinary expansions. Yes. Basically, you just collect stuff, you get bigger, you take over everything. And the, the 4X genre, mostly known for Civ is a kind of genre of game where you play it for about 20 hours and then suddenly something snaps and you suddenly realise you don't like it that much. And <laughs> you haven't been your enjoying yourself and <laughs> for you an hour and a half. And you feel really empty. But up until that point, it's kind of a magic sort of trance that you get into. I mean, it, it, you, that makes it sound almost identical to doing moderately strong drugs. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess like, so. oh, it's great and it's beautiful, and then suddenly you you come down, and then you haven't eaten, and you're sad. <laughs> it's two days later. Yes. Well, it's interesting. Like I found because Endless Legend did this to me last time, but the thing is, Endless Legend was different to Stellaris in the fact that it was all just very shiny mechanics and it was polished, and it, it did a good job of making you feel really engaged with it, just because it was like so finessed and neat and nice and clean whereas Stellaris is made by uh, Paradox the guys who make Crusader Kings Mm -hmm. and it's not as fucking like fuck off you can't understand this as Crusader Kings it is like you can get your head around it which I appreciate because otherwise I wouldn't be able to do it but it also it means that like the the appeal isn't the same it's kind of still slightly rough around the edges compared to like the um the neatness and, and elegance of, of something like endless uh endless legend. but you you don't feel that you're being rewarded with like a very rich and complex game as you like after you've wrestled with it for 10 hours uh, no well I, I, that's what I kind of felt with uh, with endless legend I felt like there wasn't right. enough depth and there wasn't enough narrative like right. you had these little quests in endless legend but there wasn't enough like sense of 
real narrative progression. Whereas like, Stellaris does a much better job of that. To begin with, it's like you're like some space people and you've got science ships and you go and scan nearby places and it's all quite exciting. It's like, oh, we found an alien life form. You try and communicate with it and it's like, oh, maybe it's just some like floaty space things that you end up shooting or maybe it's another actual race because it doesn't, it doesn't distinguish the two at first. It's like, there's just ships nearby. What the fuck are they? And it's like, oh, it's another alliance next to you. And then you expand by like looking, you find resources and you're like, oh my God, this star's really rich in cogs or something. And you're like... <laughs> Uh, and then you you go and you build an outpost and and it's the early game is really fun because it feels like you're staking out your your place in the universe and you, you you're meeting other aliens and I liked the sound of uh, the uh, you being able to pick which form of uh, faster than light travel you had yeah and that means that yeah. depending on which one you pick every race might travel around the galaxy in one of three different ways yep. You, so you've basically got like uh, classic style FTL, which basically means you can just jump between any two nearby stars. And if you want to go really far away, it will just literally like move between the galaxies like you would in your head of like driving almost like down motorways. Uh, but then there's another one, which is even more like roads. And the fact there is actually a map of routes and it means you can travel more quickly than the normal route. But in weird. But only on specific lines. Hmm. And there's a technology you can unlock, because I don't use that, but a technology I unlock which shows me that map, which is fucking ah, awesome. Because nice. it means that I can put defenses in certain places knowing that there are bottlenecks there. Is that what they call wormholes? or is the wormholes- No, the wormholes are what I tend to use, which are, which are great but a bit weird in the fact that you basically you build wormhole gates and then you have a range. And it means at any point from the area where the wormhole gate is, you can jump to any of the stars in range. And you kind of have a network of them. But it means you're a bit more erratic if you want to move like between a bunch of places slowly, you keep having to jump back to the wormhole gate again and, and again. And presumably it means that you're vulnerable to the wormhole gates being blowed up. Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, but it's a lot of fun if you're uh, a bastard like I am because wormhole gates just allow you to just suddenly be like, whoa, I'm outside your capital planet like, with a fleet. <laughs> like, hello. Um, and the th- funny thing is I tried playing it for a while as a kind of traditional, like, this is how I play Civ games of being like, okay, well, I might have some wars, but largely I'm going to be probably nice and reasonable. And, you know, I got quite bored. Because the thing is, you expand your borders and then your borders hit other people's borders and then it feels like you've kind of got your bit of space and they've got their bit of space and you have trade agreements. And then it's like... I see, I see some lasers. Well, it's kind of like this weird thing. But it doesn't. It, I'm, I'm making. I'm scripting a video for this at the moment and I find it really fascinating. It's like, what is your role in these games? Because like, it's like... It's very futuristic sci-fi in the fact that it's cool that you can have these peaceful societies. And it's like, well, I've got this wonderful, like, trade federation and everyone's happy and all my people are happy and technology is great and everything's going well. But somehow you just sit there going, but what do I do now? Because it's like my role in this is done. You know, we always, uh, we've mentioned a few times on this podcast that the problem with civilization is that you get one good war. Yeah, one or two good wars. I'm doing air quotes here. Um, But... It's funny that you've got this problem with Stellaris because this is, you know, the same team that made, uh, I think, Crusader Kings, or Crusader Kings 2, rather. And that was actually fascinating as a grand strategy game because you your dynasty would be like, oh, you know, I've married such and such and now I've got all of England and I started so small. But then someone dies and then you look at the map and, you know, all your territory is cut in half and you have to try and claw back and then maybe you end up controlling Denmark and then you have a really dark hundred years where you've got one family and you're infertile. You know, there are elements <laughs> of that in this, but what they've done is it's a less personal thing. So it's not about like you being a person. It's more about the races. Um, and it's kind of fascinating. That, and this is when I started to actually kind of fall in love with the game a little bit was when I realised that what tends to happen is you spread your empire out and then you have this situation where 
you've got people on the fringe of the empire who are like, well, I don't know how much I agree with like the politics of, you know, the the. What do you mean world. politics has never come into like Civ Star? Oh no, but that's the thing is, it's not just straight four X. It's got a bit of that um, that Crusader King stuff in it, and the fact that like each of the races, when you choose a beginning race, it's like this race has all of these traits. And they have these politics. So they come with these politics kind of baked into them. So it's like, you know, if humans are like, oh, you know, we don't do slavery and we don't do this and we don't do that. Well, you know, they have an idea of, of the way things are. And if you as a leader start going against that, you have political dissent. And also you start to have this weird thing of every time you build a colony ship, you choose which planet it's being built at. So if you build a colony ship at one of your outer worlds, then the people you're sending out further away are going to gradually be less and less like... human. Well, yeah, less and less like whoever you were to begin with. That's really it's interesting. Like Firefly. I was just thinking Firefly. <laughs> Didn't want to say it because because I don't know. <laughs> it's a bit easy. It's got isn't it? baggage. Yeah, <laughs> but it is Firefly. The series would. Uh, you know, it's. Bug- I mean, I hang on, Matthew. Matthew, I, sure, I know you're in the it. middle of a thing. No, it's fine. Go for it. You know what bugs me about Firefly, Joe? Go on. They have all this Chinese influence and no Chinese characters. It's really weird. What though, the hell? It? Oh, we'll all speak Chinese because the Chinese taken over the world, but we'll all be white. It's like what they did was. Was they realised that Chinese was somehow a more efficient language for space, and they killed all the Chinese people <laughs> and took their books. Yes, <laughs> like, so, yeah. that episode would have happened if it hadn't been cancelled. Oh, oh, damn you, Fox! Oh, damn you, <laughs> Matthew Stamaris. So yeah, basically, um, what's lovely is, and I haven't seen as much of this because what can happen is you can basically, if you're playing as characters who are largely supposed to be a bit nice, then what might happen is you'll have a war with some people. Then you'll become they'll become like your thralls, or maybe they'll become your citizens. And so it means actually then you'll like take over their empire. But now it means like you've got like your citizens of whatever race you start with, and then these other citizens, citizens who are also your citizens, but they've got different worldviews. So so what are you? Well, are you oh, worth- this is just like Crusader Kings. You are a nebulous outer, outer yeah. being. You know the thing from Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're basically that. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, weird. it's that weird thing because, like, I quite like the idea of a game that enforces role playing in some way, where it's like, well, this is how you play. But then, if you, if your people don't like what you're meant to do, but then they're the only people left, then what happens? Do you have to start like if your central colonies got taken over, and then you had your people right. out on the fringes? Do you then have to play to their politics? I guess so. I mean, I think basically... That's actually kind of cool. What's interesting is you can fight against it. I had at one point, when I first tried to play, I just played as the vanilla humans because I'm a boring man. And that was my immediate Mm. choice. We've always said this. Everybody says this. It's, It's so obvious. You just look at me. I'm fucking dull. So... I played as vanilla humans and it meant I won this little war and then immediately had this problem because of the fact that the humans I was playing as had like a democratic basis, which meant like, yes, we've won the war with these people, but immediately it goes, well, they're part of our... Like they're part of our society now, and then it means a huge. And how do you have votes if you've got tentacles? <laughs> well, she's sliding all over the, the pencils. <laughs> Suddenly, I've got this huge population of people who have become a political group within our democratic system, and their demand is we demand to be independent. And they're basically, I've won the war, but now they want their independence back because they don't want to be a part of my empire. The Scottish. And And then my my only choice is just to ignore it and know that by ignoring it, they're going to keep rioting and maybe destroying the planet and causing me trouble. Or you can actually spend money to have political propaganda campaigns to just be like, shut up. That is really neat. But I do like the idea that Joe would get Stellaris and then name every different, like, Scotland. Fantastical, (laughs) wonderful species. Well, they're kind of like the Mol. 
Maltese. <laughs> <laughs> Until it just resembles space Europe. There's this one bit in between both of our territories that I'm like, fucking Falklands again. Yes. <laughs> But, but the, 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 this all sounds good, Matt. It is good. It is good. Um, it's just there are a couple of things, and it's kind of frustrating because I was I was making a video about it. I was going to make a video about what was good about it and what wasn't, and I realised that's fucking pointless because <laughs> I, I've looked on the, like the website and like they've already got the next three patches planned for the next month and a half, and basically all of the things I have about it, which I'm like, this is a bit of crap. They're fixing. Paradox are really good at that. They're, I know. They yeah. really re- they reel in a lot of DLC, a lot of patches to really like make games good. So I'm going to make a video about what I love about the tone of it and stuff, and just ignore. All the That's mechanical nice. stuff. I'm looking forward to um, uh, the next Hearts of Iron game. Never played a Hearts of Iron, but now I'm a World War II buff. Suddenly, weirdly, it was yeah. awful. I woke up and it was like finding like a bubo under my armpit. Now I care about wars. Uh, <laughs> but so now I'm going to uh, I'm going to get into Hearts of Iron. The one thing I have to say about Stellaris is that um, whilst I tried playing it as vanilla humans and found the whole democracy thing a bit tiresome and just having to be like, oh, oh, worry, I, worrying things to say. Yeah, this is the thing. I realised the ty- the point at which I st- I was actually kind of almost done with the game after about six hours. I was like, I'm not sure I can be bothered with this. Like, I was going to stop playing and I thought, well, I'll just quickly try again as a different race and see if it's different. Try a new game because I didn't understand a few things either and I'm like, maybe it would be easier if I understand the basics a bit more. Hmm. And I thought, well... I'm still boring, so I chose the other type of human. And it's lovely. There are two human races you can choose. One is just, like, us in the future. Another one is, like, well, we sent out this colony ship to the outer reaches of space, and we thought they were all dead, and we've never heard from them. But they weren't, and they landed. (gasps) like Event Horizon? It's a bit like that, in the fact that it's, like, they sent out three colony ships, and only one made it, and these people have ended up somehow a bit twisted. And basically, they are a bit more a military dictatorship, and they're really oh, you racist. Know what? It's some um, oh, PS2 era uh, branding shooter where they sent people to Mars and Red Faction. No, no. the other one where they sent people to Mars. <laughs> I'm uh, sure there's more oh, than two. No, it was a PS3 tech demo. Later, there were lots Kills of these things. Yes, the Hellgast. The Hellgast. It's just like the Hellgast. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're bad people. I, I didn't know that was even the story to Killzone. They went to Mars and came back with weird glowing and eyes. And then they wanted to conquer England. Uh. I mean, you're, oh my God. I mean, <laughs> that's resistance. The that's the other PS3 one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I had a bad time and then came home. But yeah, basically, I realised that when I was playing as the expansionary racist bastards, the whole game, in terms of like your your win condition of being like take over a big chunk of the galaxy or own most of the planets in the galaxy through like peace or whatever, mm. makes so much more sense. And it's wonderful how it changes the tone of the game, where like it actually changes the text in the game. So it's like rather than it being like, "Hey, we just discovered new life," obviously, you know, it, it could be interesting. It's like obviously they're probably a threat, and it means that like all of the text in the game treats everything that's going on as if they're bad guys. And whenever you meet the new alien races, admittedly, there's not enough in the politics at the moment. They need to sharpen that up. But the choices you've got are like, "Stay away from us," or "Stay away from us," or "We'll kill you." You <laughs> or, know, "We'll kill you." <laughs> and it's literally like, what's lovely is it means the games I'm playing now, I'm like into a deep campaign, and I'm just like fucking up everybody and I'm just like it's become because the problem with these games is fundamentally it is like you're playing a spreadsheet but it's a spreadsheet where now what I'm doing is I'm going okay let's look at this sector this race don't seem to have a great aptitude for physical labour so maybe I won't enslave them maybe I'll just have them as thralls and then they can keep that border clear for me okay fine over here hmm okay there's some more like watery planets here let's get some colony ships from the 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 slave planets and create a slave colony and it's just like it it suits being evil 
so wonderfully in the fact that you basically become the horrible evil empire sweeping across. And what's wonderful is then you've got all these other races and they all hate you. And it means the rest of the galaxy, yes, you're this dominant force growing and growing and growing, but you cannot have allies because everybody hates you. And then it means you have this wonderful thing of being like, I'm now playing a game, and rather than it being in Civ, where it's like you've already dicked on everybody and you're still like having one by one people going, maybe we should have a war with you in this. It's like, everyone knows I've got loads of alien races as slaves. Everyone knows that like, I'm the worst. And so it's like, it keeps that frizz on in the late game of being like, are they going to all just team up and kill me? Because... Like, they hate me. And that's cool. When that happens, I lost the game after about 15 hours because that happened. Really? Yeah, because it was like I was doing really well. I was just like storming in, you know, taking no prisoners, purging planets because I liked the look of what was on it but didn't like the people, uh, and just doing all this horrible stuff, like as the horrible humans who are basically just racist bastards, where the populace is only happy when you're at war, so you're just always at war. They're just Klingons. But yeah, yeah. But then it's it's you wonderful. are a boring man. <laughs> but, but then, <laughs> Back to boring. <laughs> but it's lovely in the fact that then you get that satisfying narrative when you lose the game. You you. Like, yeah, it's nice to have a reason that you lost. You it, lost which, which civilization very rarely. You were the bad you. guys. Small preview of the next Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. We have an interview with Soren Johnson, who uh, just released Off World Trading Company and was the lead designer on Civilization Four. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a big board gamer, and I had a chat with him about um, civilization and board games. And he had a really good point that civilization and civilization style games like Stellaris are always going to be wrong because the one attribute that a civilization has is that it stops existing. Like civilizations yeah. boom hmm. and then they bust. Like and there are civilization board games he pointed at that are all on the next Shadow of the Down podcast where he was like, well, this one is like, you know, a civilization appears like you've got the Egyptians, but then they're crushed by the Romans, who are then crushed by the these, you know, like uh, people from Central Europe. And, uh, you know, but then you've got games like Civilization, which are already starting incorrectly because you play civilizations that start from the beginning to the end of time, which is not what a civilization is. And this is the problem. It's like, I, and I, it's also why those games are broken in terms of a satisfying way. Exactly. To- and that's the problem. It's like, it's weirdly satisfying when you just lose or when you have to suddenly become somebody else's vassal because yeah. you just messed up. But at the same time, it's like annoying that I've, I've seen people talking about Solaris when I mentioned it on our Friday post, where we talk about what we're playing on the weekend mm-hmm. and on cool ghosts. And some people just said like, yeah, I, I just almost stepped away from it because it was like, I had this cool trade alliance and my slug people were all, and it was like, you kind of feel like your your work here is done. It's like, I've made this empire as stable as I can yeah. as like, a peaceful leader. Paradox are very good at, uh, at patching those games. So I'm sure that'll, we'll, we'll get some danger and some late game excitement patched in. Well, the thing is, I haven't managed to get to the late game yet, but what I've heard about it at the moment, the problem is the middle game. And I'm feeling that now in the middle game, there's not a lot going on, but I've heard that the end game is actually awesome. I've heard that apparently they have events that happen like in the late game, which are kind of cataclysmic or oh, exciting okay. or mad. So it is very much like kind of like it's the bonus round, the whole galaxy. Oh is yeah, like, where the numbers don't matter. Yeah, I don't know. Like I'm interested to see what what sort of things happen. Okay, there. I'm interested for your so, video as well. But for yeah, now, for now, let's move for on. Now. Joe, let's talk about Overwatch. Okay. What happened when you listened to the podcast last week and we were uh, dunking on Overwatch? I sort of went all red and all my teeth fell out and I just got really upset. I got diagnosed with gingivitis this week. Did you? Yeah. How'd that go for you? Uh, Way to bring it up, because of Overwatch? (laughs) It's not because of Overwatch, but I wouldn't put it past that darn game. Uh, Yeah, actually, that's pretty right. God is punishing me for being wrong about Overwatch. God, that game's good. So Matt and I didn't enjoy Overwatch and I have a suspicion as to why. Okay. Uh, but I want to hear your take on why I've watched this awesome. Your first. mouth. <laughs> I mean, basically, uh, as a. I mean, I am their target market in that I'm not a big fan of 
complicated shooters in any meaningful way. Sure. So when you were saying things like stupid things like um, <laughs> <laughs> like this is a game where you know everyone's sort of like it, it's it's got enough variation for there to be like a sense of a, a wider kind of we well, didn't use the words meta and I hate the word meta but a meta um the meta but, is real man well yeah but then you've got the the characters themselves aren't that deep no and I wish that they were I get that but to me, that game sparkles when you are playing two teams that understand it. And this happened at the end of the beta for me. Okay. Um, and, and maybe this just happened to you and you didn't care. So maybe this all doesn't matter. But for me, it sparkled when it was two teams understanding that the other team has a tactic, changing, like, literally... Oh, literally between, changing their heroes Between deaths, running back oh. to their bases, changing heroes and coming back out Wait, not even else. on death, but actually no, like, running back to the base. Yeah, because... Wait, why would you do that instead of just running up to the other team and doing some damage and getting yourself Well, because we're still in the beta where people are shit. But there is, uh-huh. there is, a, there is an element of this that I, I really enjoyed where I'm just sitting there and going, it's that moment where it clicks and you go, <laughs> well, okay, so here's the most ridiculous moment of all. Uh, I had a game where I was fucking amazing as Bastion, and we, you had a long talk about Bastion. I want to give the, people some some color, so this isn't just names. But Bastion, he's a robot that turns into a big turret and a tank. Great, and he, well, you've missed right? the most important part. He's one of my favorite character designs in a game where I hate most of the character designs because mm. he's got a little bird. He does have a little bird. But nice. a little, a little uh, bird friend. Is it his bird, or is it just the bird that's landed on him? It's always the same. It's always bird, the same bird, mate. Matt. Maybe it's like a I reckon bird it's that called Baz the bird. Bastion's Basil. Baz the Bird. Basil the Bird? Yeah. You're off your nuts. Anyway, so I was Bastion, and uh, clearly the other team got annoyed by this, because when we loaded up the reverse round, so we we had been on the defense. They were, three of them Bastion. were Bastion. Six of them were no. Bastion. Right, so they lined up on... Uh, so it's the Egyptian level. I don't know if you remember. So the first um, yeah. objective point, there is a, a, a choke point. Like, there's very... I think there's maybe one other way around, but I'm not entirely sure. But basically, there's one big gate. Okay. And they lined up six bastions on a bridge. What was your objective? Just to hold some ground? Uh, to get through that gate and take an objective point just behind this bridge okay. where they were. They had six bastions on it. And essentially, everyone else on my team who'd played less than me, we were playing in the office, um, went, oh, no. Like, what do we do about this? And I went, well... I can just change into Reaper, who you were also talking about, who is a skull man who can t- become intangible. Mm-hmm. So I just ran through, became intangible, came up behind them, and the play of the game at the oh, end of that game... because they can't turn around as turrets. Yeah, well, they can't turn around fast enough, was literally me walking down a line of stupid oh, turrets, wow. just blasting them with shotguns and proving that the meta existed to all these morons. That who- is... Okay, that is... That makes me feel uh, silly for, for not kind of probing him. Well, that's a very interesting way to play a game. Because like, I mean, but you can't blame me that every other. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I got I totally that. Agree. I just it was it was a, for me personally. It was more the fact that I just feel like I've done that with Dota, and I'm like, do I want to do that with another game? Okay, well, that that's very fair. And and I'm I'm not a yeah. That's player. the thing is, it's just it's just the fact that it's like with an MMO. You know, once you've been there, once you've been in a meta, and you've you've been getting into that and playing as a team, yes. it's like you then think, do you want to go back? Dota doesn't shift meta mid game, no. does it? it 
Like so, no, it so this is what but that's why the picks become such a, a much more important yes, thing. Yes, yeah, and I do, I do wonder whether they're going to introduce something like that. It's, um, it's like very interesting, system. but it is very interesting to me that um, the idea of changing your uh, your characters mid. And we had just amazing games where when we were playing as people. Sorry, do you want? No, please? well, it's funny. The uh, you've actually kind of proven the thing I was going to say because you remember I said I think I know why yeah. Matt and I were wrong because you're using the term we and you said in our office and I yes. think that this is just a case of like yeah. I mean when I wrote an article forever ago about how to get into Dota 2 I said like you just play it with friends just mm. make sure you've got several people and I think that uh, that's what a lot of the cool ghosts um, community members were doing yeah. they would go into matches as threes or fours or fives or sixes mm. and then they would have an amazing time because then you, as soon as you can coordinate you start winning more there's more satisfying you can you know complain to people and you don't have the ridiculous thing of like your team isn't working cohesively yeah mm. I do I do think there's a certain something to be said for playing as a team and then going back to solo and realising that playing as a team made you satisfied with how the game works and then working with other people is almost like an added challenge. Assuming they're good enough. Yeah, but even then, like there were moments in the beta because I I played fucking loads because I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed becoming the guy who would follow someone else around and be like, I'm Reinhardt. Like this player doesn't understand what the benefit of me being with them is. But as they were getting into combat, just putting up a big shield mm. and watching someone adjust to not running in front of the shield to shoot people yeah. but standing behind it and learn the game and that, I found that kind of implicit cooperation worked really well with simple stuff like Reinhardt but with anything more complicated people and I guess it was because it was a beta you like, were saying that and I, I totally agree like there are elements like when you were talking about Zarya who can give people bubble shields and stuff yeah. like people don't realise that you need to, to be there it's difficult for people to, to expect people to get that when they're playing a demo and they might just literally download it and not know anything about it like yeah. so I kind of couldn't begrudge it mm. but I think also the main thing is you were playing on PS4 and I was playing on PC. Yeah. And I felt like somehow like my expectations when playing a PC game much more like you're you know in front of a keyboard, right? It's a mm-hmm. fucking crazy machine covered in buttons. And like I, I kind of want stuff to do. That's very interesting. Uh, and when I'm playing a, a console shooter, I'm much more content with the simplicity and the rhythm of I mean, it's weird that some of the decisions that I find strange about Overwatch is like the whole headshot thing, especially on the PC that has a weird mm-hmm. thing of the fact that headshots do loads of damage. But it doesn't feel like a headshot game to me, apart from maybe the sniper. You know, it feels like largely a game about kind of loose area control and and kind of something slower and more tactical. Yeah, and the, the fact that it's and I noticed when playing the PC beta, that it was like you know often you just get like wiped out by headshots, and it just felt like strangely. Um, and even when I was killing people with headshots at one point, I was the funny dwarf with the little uh, like. Um, Shotgun. It's got like, no, a, it's like a nail gun, gun thing, rivet yeah. gun, and it was like it kind of has a weird arc drop, and I started to get the hang of it and landing the rivets in people's heads and like almost one shotting them, and I kind of felt like it felt to me a little bit like it wasn't in the spirit of the game. So I don't know. It was it was a strange thing. I see your point, but then I think they'd be refusing the the Absolutely. like what they they what they are aiming for clearly is a first person shooter that people enjoy, like mm-hmm. the the sort of wider moba flavor stuff is set around it, and I think to take away like. The pleasure of a headshot sure. in a shooter is is a dangerous. I thing. completely get that. I just I think it was really interesting in the fact that like what I expect from a PC game is a level of complexity and focus. Yeah. Whereas what I want from a console shooter is something that's almost and actually weirdly like the complaints I had about Overwatch of being like the characters don't feel like they have enough to do mm. might actually be a boon on console. It means you can actually like there's not a lot to learn. And so then you can actually just talk to people and communicate. And I do think, I I don't know whether this is conscious or not, but I do think like them having 
maybe like one skill fewer than you would expect yeah. of a MOBA character mm-hmm. is a way of making you change characters. Mm. Like there's a sense to me that it's like if if you are up against a wall and you you keep going out and you keep dying, the only thing left is not I'll wait for my ultimate or I'll wait for this one thing. I'll, you know, the cooldown doesn't rule you. You go... Fuck off. I'll play as a different yeah, type of Yeah, the ability to bring in a sniper immediately. Exactly. It makes it very flexible. It's possible, but at the same time, I remember in Dota, the amount of games you played where you're like, why is this sniper terrible? <laughs> and then you'd look at his account and you go, oh my God, he's played 900 games and like 800, <laughs> 800 of them are as the same character. In a game yeah. with like over 100 characters, you'd be like, you've played this for like months and, that's, and one character. See, that's kind of my dream for Overwatch is that it gets to the point where there are like a hundred characters where it gets that Dynasty Warriors flavour of like, oh, that, fucking who knows that what's would going be, on. That would be really great. I don't know. What I mean, it would make happening? It, you'd get that thing where it became imbalanced, but Blizzard's... It's not even balance. It's I, For me, like I felt that he did a really good job using audio of giving you audio, clear audio yes, cues yeah, about yeah. what was going on, but it was still almost a bit much, I felt. Oh, but hey, this is, this is Blizzard who reliably do some of the best post launch support you can't business. do that with a hundred characters like. no I agree that would just be, be like it would just be well, noises but, I mean, it, but we don't down. need a hundred dude how many is it like no, it's 21 at the moment 21 it could be like 42 and it would be no, still completely know. Know. And, and they will add more and it will ramp up but it's that one thing of being like it was almost on the verge of being messy just because first person shooters are naturally fast so let's see if we can agree on three things right mm. first off um, it really could it's it's a pretty polished thing it's pretty interesting and it could be for you if you, especially if you've got friends to play it with mm. okay we, do we agree yes okay Matt do you agree well is this like a, I don't know what this is I was just asking if, you, if we can all agree or just just if we can all agree it's a group consensus <laughs> we've it's been like talking a, about democracy in Stellaris for ages man you should be able no to get one yes. you got so no, the taste flavors. <laughs> right Joe second thing we can agree on we're cutting yeah. man out of this he's not part of our democracy <laughs> I'll destroy you <laughs> you will be my thralls the guns are shit Ah uh, no! What's which guns? What what do you mean? Everything feel like there's no there's no pop. There's no. Uh, I mean, did you? There are for some characters, and there are aren't for others. But I. It's, it's so- very. There's no. It's the, it's. There's a sort of the animation can be nice and the sound can be nice and but I mean when it actually collides with the enemy it's only ever like throwing confetti. Okay, yeah, that's absolutely fair. Like, okay, so the the impact isn't what you want sure. as opposed to the because I I enjoy shooting some of those guns. Yeah, and I enjoy using some of those powers. I was I was waxing lyrical about um, the scientist's ice wall. Oh yes, which is the best thing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, third thing, the unlockables in it. Yeah, struck me as being standout awful. Like. I found, it, I found it bizarre how Blizzard could have dropped the ball so much. Okay, so there are... What What it struck me is that there are too many. Uh, so if they had, like, you've got maybe three categories of un- unlockables, it might become satisfying. But, but in this, you've got, like, sprays, which no one no uses. No one uses sprays. You've got emotes, which not really no, anyone uses. No one likes the emotes. You've got quotes, which, again, it's like, I do not feel anything yeah. about this. You've got skins... Which, good. Some of which are good and some of um, which are bad. Yeah, but I'm fine with the tiered thing because then you get those few people with the weird ones and that feels good. Yeah, sure, sure. Like, I, yeah. I'm kind of down with that. But it's just so it's it's like proper nutty professor for me because so, so many games do they've it got, well. They've got one other which is the uh, if you get the play of the game, you can get different animations for your play of the game, yes. which I really like. That's okay. Like, because if you see someone else with one, you're like, oh, fuck, I want yeah, that. but then that's you can cool. but you can watch all of them in the menu anyway. So none of them. Yeah, that's poor. Me. I don't I don't like that. So here's my thing is the fact that, like, I think that's kind of, you've hit on a problem for me with the game, which is why I'm not interested in it, is the fact that, like, you look at something like Dota, 
like they've got more of it now, obviously, because it's been out for a long time. But that is basically it. You are just unlocking cosmetics, right? And then you ask yeah. yourself the question: Well, like, but but I never played Dota for that. I wasn't playing Dota for the unlockables. And you think, well, why was I doing it? And the difference was that Dota was so fucking complex and huge. I was playing it to get a sense of understanding and mastery over this huge weird beast. And there's something about Overwatch being a bit more simple. I kind of the problem is you you think, oh yeah, I can understand all this quite quickly. What do I do after that? I really think it's going to be a lot more complex quite quickly. Like I genuinely think the switching between rounds or not between rounds, between deaths. Between characters. Yeah. I mean ultimately I Blizzard, think that will change everything. It could be the case that Blizzard have never not in Hearthstone, World of Warcraft, Starcraft, or Diablo. They have never put out a game that hasn't ultimately proven to be very nuanced and complex at high levels. What what's is that same for Heroes of the Storm? I don't know what that's like. Oh yeah, I forgot about Heroes no. of the Storm. I mean that's the thing, it's basically what, <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of not <laughs> true. Da, 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 I think da, 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 I think I want to agree with you. I think <laughs> I think what's more true is that Blizzard have done a fantastic job of taking very complex and nuanced things and simplifying them to make them very polished and clean and simple. And I think that's fine, but I just think for me, like, I'll tell you something I was playing yesterday, and that was the next Monster Hunter game. What? <laughs> the next one is out? It's no, it's not out. July. I was, uh, uh, Keza McDonald, who's a big uh, Daft Souls person, she was supposed to be going to an event in London, she couldn't, so she asked me if I'd go and do it, and I'm like, oh, I'd never do freelance, but then she was like, it's Monster Hunter Generations, so I was like, oh, I love Monster Hunter. So I went along. Oh, no, this is the boring looking one. No, but it's not. And that's the funny it's thing. It's the new full one. But isn't it... I forget why it's boring. They've it's given boring. it the oh, worst it's... name. Well, Generations <laughs> is a terrible name. No, but what's the shtick behind it? Because I remember reading about it and then going... Mm. Oh, it's got special moves in it. No, there's something else. Are oh. you thinking of the one where you just play felines on an adventure? <laughs> no. Never mind. <laughs> that is one. Why don't you just talk? So... <laughs> Basically, yeah, I was looking at the new Monster Hunter and it looks very cool. Uh, it has now um, special moves, which is <laughs> so su- I hear. surprisingly yeah. cool. And the fact that basically it has new touchscreen buttons that uh, like charge so it's a 3DS up. game. Yeah, it's 3DS again. Yeah, um, but I was expecting it because it's called Monster Hunter Generations, which is the most deceptive name because it, in Japan it was called Monster Hunter X. And Monster Hunter Generations just makes me think oh, it's going to be kind of greatest hits, like 1.5 bullshit. You know, it's not going to be anything new. It's just going to be like this is all right this is mm. more stuff but actually it's like kind of it's got a best of in terms of being like loads of the favorite monsters from all the games and some new ones but then they've added shit loads of stuff like you know in the last one you could send your cats off and level them up on yep. missions now you can play as the cats to level the cats up oh god damn so it, means, it i'm dead so <laughs> i'm gonna die <laughs> i'm gonna die as well joe we can die together we it be beautiful. but it means like if you want to play with a mate of yours and and he's well under level like and you're like way ahead you, play as you can cat. play as a cat and go along and like assist oh, them and level up your cat. It's the and best game ever. Honestly, it looked fucking phenomenal. Okay, wait. So here's what is the actual plot? Like, where it is it set? Matter. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Massively, it absolutely does. I got so bored of of you know because you you have that initial first run of three and four where you sure. see everything. It's like oh, it's a new thing, and then it's oh, it's a new village, it's a new location, it's yeah. a new level, and then about thirty hours in, it, it goes okay, now do it again. And then yeah. that's the point where I went, no, I'm done. Well, maybe it's not for you, and that's fine. But then, but here's the thing. So f- I would look forward to playing 4, because it's still got that initial first 30 hours where I get to explore and see everything. And You, you didn't play 4? You played. Three. I didn't play 4, but I would play 4 for the same reason, right? Okay. So what I'm, what I'm asking is, like, does X at least give me the same initial 30 hours of, like, here's brand new stuff? Well, listen, this is the thing. Oh, I think it 
does. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's kind of like the, they said that the, the, uh, it may have been lost in translation, but the Japanese dudes I was talking to, I've forgotten their names, but they're good men. Good men. I think actually it's Shintaro Kojima. Actually, I think was uh, that's one. Of the, anyway. That's why I remembered. No, no, it's on the it's on the Wikipedia page. I was trying to give you a fucking. Ah, yeah, it would have been good, wouldn't it? But that's why. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, they've talked about the theme being festival because it's like a celebration of Monsanto. So they've like brought in all this old fan favorite monsters, but then they've added stuff as well. And it's nice they've got new. For the first time, they've got stances. And it's kind of nice in the fact that they're introducing like new players in a bit more, and the fact that you can choose a stance which gives you like more special moves but less complex weapons. So you can just basically huh. be like charging up special moves that you just press a button, they happen. You've also got one that's almost like a kind of uh, Devil May Cry style Bayonetta thing of being like it changes the dodge. So if you dodge at the very last second, then the dodge turns into this like sprint in the direction the camera's facing, which means basically you can just immediately dodge out of the way and then charge back in and start attacking. Oh wow! And that is fucking cool. Also, they've changed it so one of them the stances is instead of doing a dodge roll, you do a jump. And it basically means that the hopping ability that they had in Monster Hunter 4, oh, it's a shame, because Monster Hunter 3, I, I tapped out after about 30 hours because it wasn't very good, but 4 was fucking beast. I 4's type. actually my favourite game of all time. I think, yeah, it's pretty up there for me. Really? Yeah. It's fucking great. That's a bummer. I liked 3 because it was on the, um, uh, the Wii U. The Wii U, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really hoping that they get around to making a proper home console one again. Also, because uh, Matt went off and started playing with his brother and, and didn't wasn't like, you know, because I got into three because Matt was like, I mean, not Matt, Keza said, you know, hey, we can do three and we can do it together and then we played it through and I needed that other friend to boost yep. me through. Matt didn't do that, so... What? You, you end up being really disparate anyway. Like, my brother, I played with my brother and he was like so much further ahead of me. He was like, I think now he's, we've both kind of stopped and he stopped, he was like G3 and I was G1. So he really I didn't even, stormed off. I didn't even get to G-Rank and it's my favourite game. But listen, <laughs> that is what I love about it. And I'm, I'm trying to write something about it at the moment because the new one's pretty cool. But what I realised when I was sitting watching the trailer for Monster Hunter is it was like, yeah, it had new monsters and stuff. But I became transfixed by this loop of like jumping and slashing and, and getting knocked down by these things. Hey, Matt, how's the capture for 3DS? Impossible. Seriously. Actual hell. So we couldn't do... Otherwise I would have done it. I would have there, done it. You can send off for someone to mod it like, we did this on, on yeah. O&M. I can say that now, because O&M's fucked off. So, um, but yeah, we, you can send off two people, and then you can get, like, a little mod a attached modded, that yeah. you can do stuff with. Yeah. All right. There's no chance of us doing a Cool Ghosts, Monster Hunter Generations uh, playthrough. It's then. it's possible. Not a playthrough. Jesus, no. Like, honestly, like even when 3DS Capture Gear works, it, like, sometimes <coughs> just doesn't work. It just mm. goes, oh, the footage didn't work this time. Like, it's a fucking nightmare. Incidentally, um, have you ever seen... Uh, 3DS capture equipment. It's big. Like, it, <laughs> I it, imagine it like those microfilm reading machines. It that... looks like submarine parts. It's fucking amazing. Like, wow. it's like big, like cast iron, like kettles yeah. that you stick <laughs> 3DS carts into. It's amazing. It's genuinely like reverse engineering. It's, it's weird. It's shit. beautiful. I love it so much. Like, uh, yeah, uh, I love I'm, that Sony add a share button on PS4, and you need a submarine to yeah, read exactly. your 3DS. I remember um, Edwin Evans Thirlwell from well, at the time from OXM, and now he's just brilliant everywhere. Um, he <sighs> came over whilst we were capturing stuff once, and he was like. Is that a Wii U dev kit? I was like, no, it's just what we use to get video out of a 3DS. It was so good. Yeah, like, it's a, it's, I remember it's a box. It does look like a kettle-sized thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Bizarre. It's bizarre. It's so good. But um, Sorry, that was... Totally no, it's, it's, that was, it's that genuinely was interesting. Um, so you, you played this thing, sounds good. Yeah, I mean, basically, it made me realise that... Because Monster I mean, 4 was the first game I really got into. And I realised that my relationship with Monster Hunter... 
um, is fascinating, and the relationship that everyone has with it is fascinating. And the fact that, like, that's a bit. I mean, I, I talk about games a lot. That's a big ask. That saying that your relationship with the game is fascinating. It is, yeah. Okay, here we go. Because the thing is, like, it's better be fascinating. It, I know, right? Listen, when you play most games, right? Um, you approach them in a series of the idea if you love a game series then generally speaking it means you pick it up and you try and finish them all like that's how people tend to approach but games but you can't finish Monster Hunter well no you can but you probably won't and the thing is that's fine Monster Hunter doesn't uh, approach you with in fact Monster Hunter has like three or four points where it basically says we're finished now yeah. it shows you the credits like four times well yeah I mean yeah I get what you're saying but it's a very weirdly stingy series in that no regard. yeah sure but this is the thing and this is what's fascinating about it is you start to realise that actually like it is stingy when I was interviewing these devs right they actually had a laughing point where they were like I was talking about uh, myths and stuff and they were like oh yeah the desire sensor and people in Japan talk about the desire sensor being like the game will keep giving you an item until you can it tell it can tell that you want it <laughs> and then it will stop and they jokingly said oh yeah it's got like a sensor on the 3DS which is like it can tell if your hands are sweating just before you go to car but it won't give it you and they were laughing about this and I just thought you know what and then this is going to be when I write the thing for Kotaku which I'll put in next week it's putting mirror what I'm saying is the fact that in, a, in an ecosystem or world now in games where like people get genuinely quite angry about games like Division and Destiny when end game stuff is seen to be miserly to have a community where both the community and the developers are joking about how stingy the game is well I, I, I've written I think I've talked about this before and I don't want to pick no, my own work great I, I wrote it. a thing about how Destiny Destiny's loot system compares to Monster Hunters and Monster Hunters like the whole thing is it's like a map of how you've played the game like you, yeah. you carve bits of things to make other things and then that bit of armor required like six different monsters pieces and like it becomes like it, it, it's not a hunger for the item it's a hunger for what that thing could give you in future like sometimes yeah. you'll just kill a thing like nine times because you've worked out what gives you its special item like smashing a spider's glands off um <laughs> and, uh, and oh yeah yeah and then and you collect it and you're just like this is definitely going to be useful for something in like 40 hours time yeah you sometimes find something you just go this is really cool yeah. and then it means that what's lovely is because they recycle all of the weapons in most of the games and there's a huge fucking number of them it means you don't just do the same thing every time because it the direction you take is dictated by what lucky shit you find you think oh, I might go down and get this axe or that's something. it yeah like, you get like the, the the rarest possible item in like you know a 2% carve that you weren't expecting and then you're like well I guess I better get like all the, all other, the other shit <laughs> for that one particular item yeah like, it's fucking amazing and that's the thing is what, what I find fascinating is I start to think about this and go why is it that both the devs and the community can joke about something so miserly and the answer is is that unlike in other games where uh, currently in the world of games it's all about um, uh, kind of ecosystems it's all about transferring saves it's all about um, progress and persistence and and things being meaningful whereas Monster Hunter what it does is every new game it says to you hey come and play a new game you go can I bring my old stuff over he goes no you can't bring any and basically what you're doing every time a new Monster Hunter game comes out is you are sacrificing all of your material goods to start again just for a chance to start again afresh and the only thing you can bring over to the next Monster Hunter game is your skills and what's awesome is is that it's a game where there is so much to learn your skills play such a massive part in it that I'm excited to start again just because I know that this time I will be better right from the off and it's this this fascinating thing of being like you realise that actually whilst all of the cool equipment and, and loot that you get 
helps you to progress in the last game. It's meaningless. It's yeah. transient. I know? don't think you're wrong, but I think another aspect of it is the game being good enough. And this is the case. Oh, of course, yeah. This is the case with Street Fighter as well, that I think you get people to getting to the end of a lot of uh, video games. Like, you know, Destiny, which is not, not a bad game by any means, but like all the end of Division or the end of World of Warcraft, and people need loot because they're not playing the game for intrinsic value, right? Whereas people will play Monster Hunter because it is amazing fun and a game can get away with being And that's silly. it's not just that it's amazing fun, and that's what I was talking about in relation to Overwatch and the fact that people are playing Monster Hunter to get better at Monster Hunter and the cap for where that ends is fucking miles Right, away. which is identical to Street Fighter Five. Yeah. yeah, that's well, that's what I was thinking. Like, when you said the only thing you can bring is your skills, that's exactly the same as, as you know, any good fighting game franchise. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. You can't... There's nothing to take over. All you have is the fact that, like, maybe you were sweet with Zangief in the last one. You hope that enough of his moves are the same in the new one. Mm-hmm. But they probably aren't, which is the exciting thing, because then you are, like, step down and your skills have to improve again. Yeah, like, it's, it's the idea of trusting in your game being, like, an entirely robust and impossibly difficult thing versus what we're doing in the West of making stuff that is reliable and that we yeah. know works and that can bring in a mass audience and then just trying to keep people playing a bad game. It's yeah. just interesting, yeah. Well, not but bad, like, but that makes well, it sound I worse. can imagine if they, for example, if, if Activision said that Destiny 2 was coming out this November and that you wouldn't be able to transfer any of your stuff, people would be furious because it's, they feel like the, the the value that they've they've got is the stuff they've collected. Whereas in Monster Hunter, the idea of like transferring over all the stuff you've got just just seems silly. Which right. is why it's not. It's always been nuts to me that Destiny doesn't have a display case like feature. Oh, of course. Mm. Which of is course. why it's, like it's insane that I can. Collect- but again, it would only make it worse if eventually they went. Well, you can't have it anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, but um, yeah, it, it just it made me realize like. Um, I don't know what it was. I, I tried to get into three and I couldn't, but once I four, I you know put about two hundred hours in, which is like I just I got so into it, and I love that it is an impossible task. Is the game just keeps going on, and it gets a point, it gets to a point where you just go, you know what, like where I'm at now in order to progress, it's either a combination of just too difficult or too much of a grind for me that you just tap out, but you know that you'll start again, and next time you might not get further than you did last time, but you'll get there quicker. And then the idea of being like. It's weird for me, rather than being like, if I love a game series, when I was growing up anyway, like I used to love Zelda and my brother was the same, he would always be like, the way of showing you loved Zelda was that you finished them all, because games are always finishable. I love the idea that one day, maybe, I'll finish a Monster Hunter game, but it won't be for a while. Not going to happen. It might, <laughs> but it won't be for a while. I will bet you. No, it's not likely. <laughs> but I got to G1, I was damn close to G2, but there was a boss that was a real, like, oh... Anyway, um, the new Monster Hunter seems good. <laughs> that was Matt's preview of Monster Hunter. Yep. Joe, what else have you been playing uh, uh, recently? It's been ages since we've had you on. I've, I've been playing two games that uh, have brilliant storylines for entirely different reasons. Okay. One is Uncharted 4, which is so polished to the point where I can't say anything meaningful about it apart from the fact that I like spending time with all these pricks. That's, that's essentially <laughs> it. <laughs> I would love to play it for the same reason. Uh, like, you know, Last of Us to the top of my head off. I'm more than ready for that to happen again. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. Like, it's just so much fun being with these people and watching them be really lithe and happy um, like the other thing <laughs> and move their mouths in ways that are so plausible oh, some of the animations are just so beautiful like Gav um, Gav Murphy who has been on here uh, the other day noticed that if you have a flashlight and you shine it on your brother's face he just makes this little like wincing animation and it's you're just like whose job was this it's yep. so good yeah um, I've always said that Last of Us is one of the very few video games where you can actually pick up on um, acting belonging to the mocap actors yeah 
in the performances. Like, I didn't even get that from um, Until Dawn. Because, no. Like, and that had... Well, the mocap in that wasn't as good. I, wait for Uncharted 4. There are faces people make that I've never seen video game characters make because they're real faces. Like Max Payne. Oh God, I love Max Payne. though. Because, like, Uncharted 2 it's, was awesome as an action game. It was, it was just Indiana Jones. So I am not... At all, au fait with the Uncharted series. Like well, no, I played no, no, no. the start of Uncharted two, and I played the start of Uncharted three. Um, this one I'm playing because, like, you know, turned up. Um. <laughs> you know what? The most important thing about it that got me excited is um, uh, my friend Ian said that there was less shooting than in any previous Uncharted game, and more time to just wander around and I th- explore. I think that's almost certainly true um, from my limited experience. Also, Into it. The other thing is, I do think the shooting is fundamentally now satisfying. Like, I don't think it's good, but it is, like, pop, pop, I think he pop, might have said the like, same. I think he said that not only is there less of it, but it's better than... Yeah, and it does before. a really nice thing where... I, I don't know if this is an Uncharted staple, but you'll be running around and, like, you'll kill a guy and he'll drop a gun. And most people drop the same guns because it's, you know, a boring action game. But occasionally someone drops a yellow... Gu- like, it's represented as a yellow symbol, and it's just a special different type of gun with not much ammo. And you really treasure it. Like, you know... That shooting it, it, it balances it really well because you know shooting sequences are far, few and far between they don't mean much but you also treasure the fact that you've got this one gun that's like a really huge fucking dirty Harry Magnum and it will kill everyone in one shot and you're just like this is great I love that I have six shots with this thing and then it's gone forever like another you know I played the other day and like someone dropped a grenade launcher and I was like well, this is going to be... Sure. Yeah, I was like, this go. is going to be great for six minutes. Like, I'm so happy that they've done that. Savour it, yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. So, um, uh, what was the other game? That the other game were... that's completely different in the way it uh, tells story is Superheart. Um, like oh, the finished version of it. Matt and I didn't uh, get along with that one. Okay. So this is good. You're bringing positivity and energy and youth. Well, go with it. Yeah, so like... Stop saying youth. I've just got to briefly introduce... Uh, no, interrupt. I'm not going to go at you, but we had somebody in the comments last week after we were talking about... We were joking. Oh, I saw this. We were yeah. joking to Kate saying, be young for us as if we were like kind of being a bit creepy old that, man no 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 uh, oh, God, I don't I think not. we said be young to us that makes it be sound. young for us be young in front of us <laughs> it wasn't like that Jesus <laughs> you made it like some up. immortal strip club <laughs> be young for us I we you, remember I think it was more that we obviously we have uh, we do have an older group of people who listen to the podcast and I think mine and Quinn's jokes about us getting old were rubbing off as us being like taking the piss out of people old. Well, actually, oh, see. me and Quinn's are entirely we talk about this a lot we're becoming entirely comfortable with the fact that now like things that we previously thought were boring and now just things that we are well excited about. Aren't you like about. a year older than me, Quince? Yeah, I'm 29. I'll say you're two years older than me, okay. but not, I mean... Like... No, no, I mean, I, but I always had an old man inside me who was just clawing at my skin trying to get out. <laughs> uh, but the thing that I said to Matt that no one told me is like, I was always afraid of becoming old and, you know, quote, boring. Mm. But it's not that you become boring. It's, it's that the boring, boring stuff things. become awesome. Yeah. And yeah. You, just life has more awesome things in it because everything is interesting. <laughs> so you've heard us going, war. oh, we're getting old. <laughs> but it's, birds and war. <laughs> yeah. My two main things, That's man. That's why you like Bastion yeah. so much. He's birds and war. Why is he birds? Because he's, he's got a got little a bird. bird. You won't shut Oh, up I thought you meant the, the super giant game Bastion. No, sorry. Which I also love. There we go. That's not any birds in it, though, does it? I want to say it does, but maybe it Anyway, we're not taking the piss. We're genuinely just... It's fine. Anyway, carry on. Oh, yeah. So, Super Hot. Basically, uh, I love the core conceit of that game, and I was worried that they were going to try... Oh, and... what? You mean the, the quasi-hacking... You're hacking into No, no, no. Body. Sorry. No, not the not the story conceit. Just the, the, you know, it's a game that time only moves when you do, which isn't even true, because time does move a little I bit had, I couldn't get on with it, man. I had no concept of where my body began or ended, much like when I was a teenager. <laughs> I, I, I do agree. Um, there are moments where a, a, you 
a bullet seems to fly past your head and you die. That's really irritating, but it's happened to me little enough that it's not become like a cause of complaint yeah okay i guess i just um i enjoyed what it was trying to do with the super meat boy nature of like try fail try fail try fail um but i did not get the granularity of control that i got from super meat boy where i felt in complete control of everything that was happening i can totally see that i basically think it's just cool as shit um (laughs) yeah i just love it um i think i got over not to sound too snide, but no, like bullet time for snide. me was that was a 2005 thing. Oh, of course, but I, as uh, well, I was obsessed with the Matrix as a child, and I love the Matrix. In, I love but, but John Woo. It, it I, continues in my brain, like that thing just. Well, works this is the thing. Me. I think maybe I think it was around the same time, but like I didn't find. I found that actually, like the the aspects of the Matrix that. Uh, Super Hot was channeling were the, the kind of slightly embarrassing ones. I, it really annoyed me that it kept breaking its own momentum with this sort of quasi intellectual bullshit. I kind of like it. But fair enough, fair enough. Like, but okay. it was weird because like, Space Pirate Simulator on the Vive made me feel like I was in the Matrix. That was for me the most recent thing where I was like, holy shit, I tried, this is the Matrix. I tried to play that the other day and it didn't work and I was really sad. Oh, um, I sad. But, uh, sorry, carry on. No, I just had to Google the specific film I was thinking of, but. Uh, I boiled. John Rhys I boiled. Yeah. Fucking great. My my theory about Bullet Time is that if you go back and watch John Moose Hard Boiled, which was among like his films that sort of invented the slow motion bullet fight, hmm. I think that film did it best. And every single decade where we've had Bullet Time since then has done it worse. I can see that. That's well, generous of you. As in, like, worse incrementally worse. As in, like, as in, I, t- I t- tell everybody about this now, but I rewatched um, Rocky recently, which is like the the birthplace of the montage sequence, mm. right? Um, endless things ripped it off and like all made fun of it and the thing I wasn't expecting from Rocky is that that montage sequence the initial one the inception of it was so good and so touching that it made me cry I've had precisely this same discussion with another friend of oh, mine oh really recently. have you seen the movie I haven't seen it you yeah, need to yeah. you okay. both have to but this is the let's thing let's hold hands and watch it yeah you yeah. should hold hands watch it and cry because you then realise it's like oh, steady on people didn't just rip it off because it was cheesy people ripped it off because it was the best thing to happen in cinema in all of the 80s and then you realise that every movie now has a montage sequence almost everything that comes out of Hollywood now has one and they're all bollocks and I feel <laughs> that like hard bo- that uh, bullet time is the same thing of like it can be done by like extremely well by artists but it's just become a trope now which yeah. is meaningless can I just say I'm, I'm going to name check him and apologise to him my friend Ed who I think I'm pretty sure listens to this podcast alright <laughs> right. Um, he uh, we had this discussion um, he's recently got into weightlifting and he was so he I think his words were something along the lines of basically I wanted to get into all the stuff that I'm kind of meant to as a weightlifter oh so then he watched Rocky and he was like oh hang on this is genuinely brilliant well firstly he was like genuinely it's brilliant and like fully inspirational he totally gets all of that stuff and now he listens to Survivor all the time whilst he's weightlifting because it works as a pure like <laughs> beam into your brain of yeah, like this, this is it now um, yeah. oh man yeah it's really odd that you've both said that um Oh, what the fuck were we talking weights, about? Get on the weights. Uh, oh, super hot. Uh, yeah, super hot. Yeah, Basically, you're probably fine. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's actually quite weird. <laughs> I love that side. That was right. good. Yeah, oh, it it was it's, it's just weird that, like, yeah, like it's, it's actually quite rare that both me and Quinn's play something and you just go... <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> but everybody seemed to love it, basically, so... Basically, 
I love those action sequences. And what I was worried about having played that, um, the, the prototype they made, which I also loved, was they're obviously going to try and make this into a full game. And that probably means putting a story into mm-hmm. it. I was worried that that story was going to be like, I'm walking around White World shooting red boys. And like <laughs> that, and not, not rent boys. Uh, that really bothered me. Um, so what it actually does, which is constantly pulls you out and goes, here's a bit of text that you can skip if you want to and you don't like it. I actually kind of like it. Um, I, I like that they're just going, yeah, the main menu's part of like the joke and you know it all sort of works in and of itself even to the point where it has this like hidden menu item where you can watch a chat room live which is actually oh, really yeah which is actually a 20 minute stream of text that's just aping like old IRC groups where they're really hostile to any new people I watched the full 20 minutes and you get an Xbox achievement at the end of it and I was like this is fucking ridiculous that I've done this wow. I just really yeah. like that no, I think yeah. that's I think that's commitment to a to, you know, to their idea where they're just like, well, here's our action and here's I our I might be story. wrong with the timeline of this, but I'm pretty sure that I tried to play Super Hot just after having played Devil Daggers. And I felt like it just, mm. Devil Daggers has just achieved like a similar idea, but just it just blew me away. And that was the thing. It was just like that hang yeah. of being like, the fact that it was like, go, it's intense, but you're back into it. Go, intense, yeah. back into it. I just felt like, I think I was still kind of riding on on the wave of just going, holy fuck, that was something. I th- and I think that's very fair. I think uh, Superhot allows for more creative expression than it appears to, which yeah. is also a thing where I, oh, yeah. like there are, because it plays replays at the end and I can watch them and slow them down and look through them you and scrub and cool. all that stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm basically doing things where I'm like, well, I'm going to smash... Like, there's one where I'm like, I'm going to smash these three mirrors and then I'm going to do a spin and take this and smash this guy over the head and I'm, chore- like, choreographing yeah, my yeah. own fights, mm. which I think is quite nice. You know, I, like, I don't to really get, do yeah, that. I started to get a sense for that and I just decided it wasn't really of interest to me, but I, I can see why it is. Yeah. It's definitely not bad. I was like, oh, I started doing that a bit of being like, well, I'll just kill that guy first because it's cooler. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, it wasn't enough to, like, drag me That's in. fair. I'm trying to think of the last game where I really did have fights where I felt like a badass and it was probably DMC oh, in terms of yeah, that's being able to just slingshot my way around and just be a badass. Um, speaking of badasses, mm. we have a question. Okay. Uh, Who's the biggest badass? I feel like I've been doing a good job of keeping us on track, and I'm going to keep us on that track like a big pod fascist. And <laughs> It's it, good. I'm glad that I'm not the only fascist in today's podcast. Yeah, Joe, we'll, we'll get you into this. Everyone got genuinely uncomfortable just, when I started talking about like enslaving alien races. It's in the game, guys. I didn't, I didn't like mod it in, all right? Jesus. That was not what EA meant when they said, it's in the game. <laughs> it should um, be in the game, EA. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If you would like to ask questions to the Dark Souls podcast, we have kind of an innovative way of doing it. Head over to coolghosts.net, click on the Dark Souls button, click on ask us a question. We have a big comment thread where people can ask questions or you can just visit there and upvote questions you like. So today's most upvoted question is... Paul C. asks, Inspired by a discussion in the excellent Cool Ghost Discord chat, which is a, is a great place where you can chat with people on Discord. It's a thing. It's things that young people do it. It's cool. It's to do with games. Uh, but sort of not. You can find us on coolghost.net. Uh, it's really hard. Um, well, is this a I'm new gonna... social media platform that yeah. I don't know about? Do you really not know about this? What's Discord? I didn't know about it either. Listen, it's I, basically IRC, but feature complete. It's pretty cool. And at the moment, we have a bunch of Cool Ghost community people who hang out there and chat in the days. I pop in and read stuff. They often post really interesting links. I saw a thing about Jurassic Park and having allegories to God and the Devil and stuff. It was fucking awesome. Wow. It was like a half an avid. You'd love it. You'd like it's Jurassic legit. Park. I do. Anyway. Um, if you want to check out the Cool Ghost Discord, the best way to do it is go to one of the Friday posts. We uh, we regularly mention that. It's a good place to chat and hang out in the day. Anyway, he asks, what's the best game controller ever made? 
And this is with the exception of the truly shocking D-pad, the 360 is as close to perfect as I've ever used. I, I kind of, I'm probably on board with that. To hey, let's just... The GameCube is, Jesus, man. What is it going to be for you? Like the fucking Neo Geo or something? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is that me now? I'm I don't like... know. I don't know, man. You play to the, you play to the gallery. Uh, it says, uh, most cl- he says, uh, the GameCube's two-stage triggers put it close second. I don't know if that's, I mean, I wouldn't agree with that. Although, coincidentally, it also had terrible D-pad. I mean, it's obviously the Wii U, so... <laughs> I, well, hey, I no, mean it. You know what? I would be with you if it weren't f- if if the Wii U had more it wasn't developers. A big heavy piece of shit. <laughs> it's Sorry, fine. That's heavy. If the Wii U had more developers who were actually really using the yeah. D-pad, had the screen, and doing clever things with it into it. Yeah, we were talking earlier. I'm currently in the middle of writing a piece after interviewing uh, the guy who made affordable, well, one of the guys that made affordable space adventures, uh, Lau Korsgaard, who works for Napnock, and he made a point where I literally cheered when he said it over the interview because he said exactly what I'd been saying the entire time I was using a gamepad, which is the total and some use of the gamepad screen should have been to make more Steel Battalion games. <laughs> like, you have a screen on which you can put as many yeah. buttons as you want, fill it with fucking buttons, do fun things with buttons, because they're the coolest thing. That's why you've got a controller. Well, like you, hard, sort of loads of hard point buttons on the screen. Yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. you know, Affordable Space Adventures is all about pressing more buttons. Okay, I see you and raise you. Yes. And you know what, man? I was going to say that the GameCube controller is the best, and that would be playing to the gallery. That's like, that, that's my instinctive thought. But if I'm actually being it's like... weird bullshit. No, it's it's fe- fine. It Feels the best. The, the, the 360 pad feels like arse in your hand. Well, oh, no, it doesn't. Come on. Have you used the Xbox One Elite controller? Because fuck me, it's nice. <laughs> okay. Genuinely. I'm a big fan it's of the £120, but it is nice. I think the DualShock 3. Uh, anyway, we're getting off my clever point, and my mm. clever point is thus the iPad is the best game controller I've ever made. No, it's not. No. Um, hey, no, listen. You ever, uh, no, you're going to give me 30 seconds to speak my piece, right? The first and most important thing is that have you ever tried giving a gamepad to anyone who hasn't used a gamepad before? Yeah, no, I know, but it's not a controller. It's it's an interface. It's a different. It's a whole different ballpark. Right? I mean, it's great. But Wait, it's hang not... on. It is a controller. It is demonstrably a controller. It's an input device. Like, you can press anything on the iPad and things happen, right? But is it nice to hold? It doesn't matter because it gives unparalleled, like... Uh, potential and opportunities for like if you like the screen yeah 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 on no, the, I, I do see on the Wii U I controller get, I get what you mean but I'm saying it's a it's Wii like... U controller without any of the like peripheral stuff which is going to put people off I, get, I completely get that but at the same time it's like it's something that sits in your lap and you press it's, uh, to me it feels more like an interface than a controller well okay hey if we're changing the parameters I mean, to what but, yeah. you're saying to like oh hey it doesn't matter then let's just make sure that we have the best possible interface that feels good and gives us the best control the best controllers are those bullshit things that like Razer put out that have 400 buttons that you insert your hand into. Nah, nah. No, you've just gotten used to one kind of pad, I think. And no, no. I mean, I think there's there's a whole bunch of, of factors for it. And it is just, again, it's it's about kind of uh, comfort and ease. And I mean, obviously, yeah, it, you're right. You are right in the fact that it's like, the problem is you can't just hand a new DualShock to somebody who's never played games before and they won't get it. But at the same time, I think to just completely throw away all of that kind of those years of mutation and, and uh, iteration as being like pointless because not everyone can use it is a bit dumb as well. Yeah, you know? sure. But what you're saying is that then because you're saying that these controllers are the best because we grew up with them. No, because we've gone past it. And I still think the Xbox 360 is the best because more recent ones are okay. But it was just it's so fucking good. I mean, like, there's an intuitive element to iPad games. I'm not sure whether you could say that hand like if we're going on the 
someone can get it and it makes sense. Yeah, it's like, because they live up to not, limitations. Is there not still a fundamental relearning involved in like anything beyond like poker thing on an iPad? Yes, but I mean, it takes. But that's tens because, of hours but no, to get used to a pad. But it's the limitations of the iPad. I mean, it's not actually to do with the controller being simple. It's the interface is simple. It's the fact that like, you can't... Because the thing is, is just basically a fucking, like... Uh, like I mean, I love my iPad, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you can't hold, like, a pad and do complicated things on it. And whenever people try to make, like, first-person shooters and stuff where you control it with... Well, that's because first-person shooters are a genre that entirely grew up. No, sure, but this is what I mean, is what can you do on an iPad that isn't just, like, dragging or pointing and clicking and stuff? Well, loads of things that we're discovering more and more of, but the iPads and store base isn't large enough that the trip... Like, I mean, uh, what's that epic uh, sword fighting game that they made for... Oh, Infinity Blade. Infinity Blade, right? Like, yeah. Inf- I mean, it's that. Inf- that is an example of a developer exploring that space before going, whoa, we can't make any money doing and, this. Yeah, absolutely. And there's this... Well, no, they made... I think they made a lot of money. They made three of those things. But, you know, okay. you've still got the I think no one stuff. else made any money. <laughs> but you've still got all this stuff and you've got... But I... I still think that there is a really big and valuable skill to be able to have a controller which has like 12 buttons on it that feels very natural and simple and clear. Do, do you know what's very interesting about this conversation? Is that you, you've, taken up op- you've taken up oppositional points of view here where you know, you've know you got the, the fundamental understanding of an iPad interface versus the usefulness of like a classic game controller. Hmm. Do you know what sits right in the middle of those? The Wii U gamepad. Fuck you. <laughs> you know yeah, what? I mean, yeah. he, no, he's got it there. I mean, yeah. surely he's won. <laughs> what drives me mad though is like, it's the fact that the Wii U gamepad was a cool pad that wasn't actually used in a cool way by almost everything. Like, I mean, I saw the more reason like, that we should honor it. No, yeah. burn it. We can just burn it and, and pray to the gods that it never happens again. I never had a Dreamcast. What was that little screen on the Dreamcast? Oh, that was the VMU. The VMU, yeah. Oh man, it wasn't a fucking little screen. Jesus, man. There's actually a lot of chat on the comments thread for this which will all be burnt in the the pyres <laughs> when this napalm. question is deleted yeah of course but it's like the vmu was amazing because it was a memory card with a screen on it and it even had buttons and a d-pad on it it was so, a, it was a separate mini separate games console. mini games console so <laughs> how did, do you did not games, know this it's I, fucking amazing did games do things with it yeah, yeah. it was two of them like, <laughs> <laughs> we had sonic Chow garden sonic 2 and skies of arcadia and yep. that was maybe did it power stone do one maybe but Maybe not. But, yeah. But so two games, but basically, Chow, Chow Garden was basically like a Tamagotchi where you could grow, grow Chow. Take wait, wait, wait. So what I'm asking is, did a game that you were playing on the television also use a second screen? No. The- what happened was it was your memory card for your save game. So yep. you played Skies of Arcadia, yep. and in the game you yep. met this. T- you'll love this. In the game you met a tiny man who had a tiny airship. He was fucking tiny, <laughs> <laughs> and then he would basically be like, "Hey, I'm going to go on a venture." in my tiny airship and find you treasure and then what would happen is he would then live on your VMU and when you weren't playing on the Dreamcast you'd take it out of the controller and you would see this little like digital man going on boat trips and you can around your pockets and occasionally like do mini games oh, so and then you plug it back into the game and you'd be like I found you treasure can, can we talk about how that's exactly like Dreeps which I loved. was just thinking Dreeps <laughs> I don't love Dreeps well no 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 I love the idea of Dreeps it was a great but it was, it was basically Dreeps but then it was like a version of Dreeps that you went and pl- played in your pocket like a little Tamagot but then you came back and plugged into your game and this little like tiny yeah, it, it space was dreams with a point which is what I hoped dreams would have yeah, when yeah. I started playing yeah, absolutely when I mean, we all did you know we all dreamsed <laughs> we all dreams we, we all hoped we all cried good music though lovely music was good music didn't hear much of that it. kid's dead in I my pocket stunned, right now I am stunned but yes he's asleep forever <laughs> yeah. I'm stunned by how much uh, Joe defeated us there Matt 
that was well. No, I mean, the, the, I, mean go, you, I mean, give it to him. Man. The only the only no. issue is that there's a, the, the resistive <laughs> I mean, touchscreen like, is a fundamental it's, it's problem. It's like it's yeah. one of those lovely academic points that sounds good on paper, but then I remember how much I tried to play uh, like Xenoblade. Chronicles X using because the problem is all of the fucking games on the Wii U just use it like a controller and then you're basically like trying to use a normal game controller it's slightly too big and appears to have a large piece of steak in the middle of it I like like it holding this it's heavy man I'm good with heavy heavy feels nice heavy makes me feel safe I don't know. I it feels it, very robust as well. Like, mm. what was that thing where... I'm done with this. You guys can... <laughs> you know when the um, uh, they announced that... What's it called? The 3DS, which doesn't have the foldable screen. Oh, the 2DS. The 2DS, right? And then they announced the 2DS and all geeks on the internet went, this is the stupidest thing. Yeah. And then as soon as anyone with any knowledge of market research showed up and said, yeah, you give the 3DS to a kid and they immediately break the, uh, the hinge <laughs> yeah. on the screen. And that's why the 2DS is a thing, because kids can't snap it in half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, and it's why it's... 70 quid every time a Pokemon game comes out because it's the best marketing decision they ever made yeah. oh it's fucking, fucking I mean that's fucking genius people. but that's also a small light thing the fucking yeah. Wii U controller is a big piece of crap oh it's amazing I love it, <laughs> I mean, I love it so much I, if they used it really well then I'd be completely on side but as it was it was a beautiful idea that in result you're just being like why is this so big and yeah it has affordable space adventures and you have the to best charge it up so. the amount of times I tried to play on my <laughs> fucking Wii U and I realised I can't because I didn't plug it in the, to the mains power for hours no, I think I will me- not stand for an argument which ends with us all agreeing that the Wii U. <laughs> all right, all right, whatever. But uh, talking about the Wii U just closes off because um, this has been great, and I want to end on a high point. Sure. In single digits of Daft Souls, like way back when we started this podcast, I remember you waxing lyrical to me about affordable space adventures yeah. on the Wii U. We talked about that before we recorded today. I still haven't played it, and I'm looking for a reason to send on my Wii U. Oh, holy shit! I got nah. it. It I was a it. dollar last month. Yeah, I got it on the humble bundle thing. Oh wait, it's. A Wii U game on the Humble Bundle, or is it on Steam? Uh, yeah, they did a Nintendo unusual. Humble Bundle where you just got codes for 3DS and Wii U. Okay, I've got I a code. I haven't entered it yet. I'll give it you if you want. How many people do you need to play it? One. It's. I personally think it's best as a solo game, but you can play it as a multiplayer game. Oh man! As surely, a solo I'll game, I'll give you my code. Well, surely we do it as a video together. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down. Ideation done. <laughs> <laughs> Good work, everybody. Well done, all. Uh, Thank you very much for listening to the Daft Souls podcast. It's been a riot, rigorous, and riotous one this week. It's been yeah, quite shouty. yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry about that, but I think I'm just angry. Uh, it's all of this space stuff I've been doing. Why were you not happy with us ending the conversation with us all agreeing? Uh, because I think it's bullshit if you're going to agree on something you don't believe in. Um, so, I mean, that's not unreasonable. That was is it? Stra- that was dialogue straight out of his Stellaris playthrough, wasn't it? <laughs> That's one of the tiny a box out pops up with Matt's face yeah. going. This is bullshit. Honestly, we, can't, we can't agree to be agreeing friends. Agreeing is crap. I, I tell you two very brief thing. I had a bird race telling me that I belonged in the bin. Said my civilization should bin? go in the bin, and I was like, they actually a, say that. Yeah, and I was like, you're a bird, mate. You That's don't hilarious. <laughs> and then I had a wonderful thing where I started a brief war with a strange mushroom-based uh, race, which uh, their belief on like what the, their outlook on the galaxy was. That uh, they just like wanted to purge everything that was alien from the galaxy, so it, so it became my vassal, and it became like I beat it in the war, and my conditions were that it would be my vassal, and it was like you now basically are a small part of my empire. But then every week it just sent me a new message, just with an insult, being like you are scum, because it's like they're supposed to be like part of my empire, but it's like they fundamentally believe that all alien life apart from them must be destroyed, and so it's like. This relationship is never going to work, you know? Uh, so, yeah, it's fun. So what did you do? 
I just, I just like burned them all. Well, you can't start a war because of you know agreements. So I just thought, well, I'm still playing that game. What will happen is eventually that, that like window will end, and they suddenly they'll be like they can start a war with me. They'll start a war with me, and I'll just destroy them. But I'm gonna do exactly what I'm doing with Dark Souls, Dark Souls Three, and uh, just wait. Until exactly. It's fixed. Got all the DLC. Exactly. And I'm gonna have myself a Stellaris weekend in my pants. I'm not gonna eat my. Honestly, dinner. like it's one of those games where I'm enjoying it a lot, but it's like it's almost like it's gonna be so much fun in about a year and a half. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Like, right with, now it's great with but it's that resounding so endorsement uh, thank you very much for listening to Duff Souls everybody I've been Quentin Smith and there are some people who failed at that cue <laughs> that's Matt Lee's over there last time you had to go up me talking over you I was just making sure you were ready <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a big fight as soon as this is over <laughs> who are you tell the people who you are I'm Joe We You Scrabbles and I'm signing out as a winner